Hello everybody and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host this week, Ryan, and joining me is... Crofton Steers, Communications Manager. How's it going, Crofton? <laughs> what is going on, Ryan? Is it, It's like the soundboard is Skynet coming to life and trying to murder us. Yeah, you had a you did an interview, and as promised, I I kind of mined it for clips. So oh, I've got other no. ones like uh, like like this. We're just really excited uh, on that front. So we're just really excited to have the look the how look how professional I sound. You look, I definitely noticed a difference between like podcast Crofton and in studio <laughs> CBC Crofton. There's a big difference. There is a difference. I, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be podcast Crofton that early in the morning without coffee. Also, Ryan, I just want to mention the elephant in the room. Uh, for those who are listening to this podcast, um, we are recording this podcast the day before Oh. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is released. So we have not played it. We do not have it in our hot little hands. But while you are listening to this, dear listener, you will likely have it and likely be playing it. And you will be thinking to yourselves, why are Crofton and Ryan not talking about this game? The reason is because we have yet to play it. And we are both very excited. And I predict in two weeks from now, we'll have lots to say about it. Ryan probably earlier on his Gamers Inn show. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that is the current plan. Now, how's your um I mean, let's take 5 seconds to do this because I know it's not topical. It won't be topical by the time this releases, but is your shipment arriving for Friday like you're going to have it for the weekend or are you expecting a delay? I have no idea, Ryan. Uh I don't Perfect. know. I got charged on a credit card. I d- it's with Best Buy. Like I'm, I'm not sure if it'll get here. But here's the thing: tomorrow night, Clara has a children's choir at her hmm. school, and so I will be working my day, and then I'm going to be going to the children's choir, and then hopefully by the end of this, I will somehow have Tears of the Kingdom. If I do not, then I figure maybe Saturday. Uh, but I can, I can wait a day. The hype train is in full force. The reviews came out today looks really good i am very excited to play uh so hopefully that will happen this weekend ryan i was gonna say before we get into the show i have two things number one i wanted to give an update to our listeners on the biggest labor strike in canadian history which i have talked to over the past couple of episodes and which you have uh, shown clips from my radio interview on 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 cbc I would just say that we are no longer striking almost at, you know, in sync with the release of the last episode of Dungeons and Diapers, as if we ourselves willed the strike to end. The strike ended. So, like, we recorded that episode on a Thursday, Friday. I was still striking of that week, weekend, and then uh, early, wee hours, Sunday, Monday morning, we get a message saying strike is over. There is a deal. And so since that time, I have no longer been striking, but we have yet to vote on the deal, which is, I guess, the thing is they they come to a tentative agreement and then everybody has to vote on it. But in the meantime, we go back to work with kind of the assumption that the deal is going to go through. Now, the deal is not all that everybody wanted. And I think that there's a feeling of, you know, if both sides 
feel frustrated that probably it was a meet in the middle good deal but in this case one side the workers feel very frustrated and i am curious like will the vote you know people don't want to strike again that's for sure but will will they will they ratify what's called this agreement or not and if they don't if the union is saying this is the best we can do we recommend that you ratify it and we do not ratify it what then happens do we go back to the bargaining table do we go back on strike i'm not quite sure so maybe this story isn't quite over yet but it seems pretty much over my feeling is that we don't have it in us to continue striking and that this deal will be will be accepted and stuff. So we will see. By next episode, I'll know that for sure. But bottom line is that the strike is over. Yes. Yeah, it's over. You did, uh, and you know, your interview that you did on CBC was kind of, um, it was meant as like a check-in before you go to the picket lines again, but it ended up being that you were there to discuss the deal. And I, and I think that, first of all, poking fun aside, you did a really great job. Uh, you handled the you know, the fact that you were talking about something that had just happened. Um, you made some claims, uh, you know, pretty bold claims, like the fact that you're, uh, you're not a mathematician. As I mentioned, not being a mathematician, I need to, I need to dig into it a little bit. So you needed to dig into a little bit. and I did need to dig into it. And I'm really glad I hedged because just to give listeners um, context, I woke up to my alarm on Monday morning of last week with the idea that I was going to be on strike that day and also that I had an interview scheduled with the local radio station and that I needed to get a taxi because it was a morning show and I'm not a good morning person. So I wake up, I'm getting in the taxi and I look at my phone, lit up with notifications. The tentative agreement has come in over the night. I was supposed to go to this interview to talk about how I was feeling after like 12 days of striking as a public servant or whatever. Instead, they wanted my initial thoughts on an agreement that I saw in the cab on the way over. <laughs> um, and so with, again, without coffee or anything like that. So uh, I was there with another public servant who I met on the spot and uh, we got to comment on what you know on what we thought so i'm really glad i kind of hedged because i was i there was a happiness in the moment of oh yay strikes over but then even in the taxi i'm like this does not seem like that great a deal and so um I, that's the line i was trying to walk at the time like i i kept thinking to myself when i was looking at it man there must be more to this and i just need more time with it to see what the good deal is for us because like everything seems like pretty much what we were offered before we went on strike. So I'm like, there's got to be something here that that warranted going on strike for. But I still haven't found it, Ryan. So I am pretty confident in saying that, uh, that like, while it's not necessarily the worst deal in the world, it was a deal. It was bad enough that we went on strike and in the end got barely anything from it, despite all the sort of union's communications to the contrary, right? So, um uh, it is what it is, but I was glad to get the experience of going on the radio. Yeah, no, I think you did a good job, and I and I really liked uh, the answer of of that you gave when you know talking about being on on the picket lines. What has been so interesting about the picket line to me, Hallie, is it's been like the work equivalent of a high school reunion. So, and I get that too because, like in Ottawa, when you're a public servant and you bounce around a lot, and a lot of people ba- are bouncing around. Do, going from different, not that they're being forced to leave their jobs, but they're finding other opportunities and 
trying new things and such. So like you get to, uh, you get a lot of new experiences. So I, the fact that you're all probably back in one specific area to, to chat and, and pick it and stuff that, that must've been somewhat of a silver lining, right? Oh, it was. I actually enjoyed the strike. I saw a bunch of people that I used to work with from different jobs. It was really cool. Uh, I wrote a two-part medium blog. I never saw used that. medium yeah. before. For listeners who are interested um, more on the strike and, and more on like what my personal experiences were, I'll just plug it. Um, you can go – I don't know how you find it on medium, honestly. Search my name. We'll, go we'll link Twitter. it in the show notes. We can do that. Okay, sweet. Work that magic because I think that that's a good way to close the book on on this. And hopefully I won't have to talk about it again. Maybe the agreement gets ratified and we move on from there. But Ryan, speaking of moving on, I said two things. And one was the strike. Actually, I guess Zelda was one. Three things. You got one, you got one more shot. We, but I'm curious. I'd like to... Uh... Excited to learn more. Yeah. I'm Ryan, I'm not a mathematician, okay? No, I know. Um, you. It was established on CBC. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so the other thing is, Ryan and I were talking, dear listeners, and we were thinking that we would like to make a change to Dungeons & Diapers. And I, in particular, wanted to make a change, but I couldn't find uh, a guest host that worked for the same salary that Ryan does. So he's going to have to stay. Um, but... <laughs> uh, you know, when you combine your producer salary to your talent salary, Ryan, I think you'll find that it's very still good. zero. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah. So what I was what what I was going to say is we we're looking to make some changes, uh, particularly to a section of the show, the diapers of the Dungeons and Diapers. So as longtime listeners know, we balance the show, Dungeons and Diapers. Dungeons is sort of the geeky stuff that we're doing to keep ourselves sane in a world of parenting and craziness, adulting, whatever you want to call it. And the diapers was more getting into that world and sharing our personal experiences. And while we think that we enjoyed doing that. We wanted there to be a little bit more framework to the diapers and, and also um, a sort of sense of uh, that listeners would know what to expect from it and, and how to engage on it. And sometimes when Ryan and I are chatting, we'll stumble on a topic and it will be an interesting topic and we'll go back and forth. But then other times it's like, I went to park Omega. I went to the zoo. I, you know, like, we recognize that there could be maybe better balance there. So what we are proposing for the diapers moving forward is that we will bring a topic. One or the other of us will bring a topic and uh, that topic will be related to parenting. Randomly generated and delivered by the loudest bird Bo could find, right? No, it no. will be delivered by our, our dulcet tones, Ryan. You won't get, you won't be able to, what is it? Uh, not a uh, sole source. What is it? Uh, down offload your responsibilities to Bo. Uh, <laughs> skeptical face. <laughs> God knows I've tried in the past. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, we're going to start today. So the topic today, which we will get into in the diapers is one that I chose. Um, and it is, I want to talk about personal goals, personal goals. And that's a bit of a vague topic. We'll get into what it means a little bit more later. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, each 
episode, we're going to try to have a topic like this. We haven't really talked about what next episode's topic will be, but we will start working on that moving forward so that every episode you have a sense of what the next episode's topic is going to be. So you can call this Dungeons and Diapers 2.0 or whatever you want, but uh, that is what we're trying here today. Ryan, did I miss anything? Uh, only that if you fail. This is his first strike. There you go. <laughs> oh man, that's good. <laughs> uh, that yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so without further ado, I guess we can do go to the part that we're most familiar with, Ryan, which is the dungeons. Indeed. Uh, do you want to start with a, a, a one of our? I forgot to play this when we were. Uh, I forgot to play this when we were talking about the strike, but I'll play it now. The last time we'll be able to play it, so. Strike Watch 2023. We'll have to retire that one, but um, you still have one that we can use. Uh, yes, yeah, because I d- I did not make one for Bike Watch, but I do have this one. Book Watch 2023. The saga continues, Ryan. It does, yeah. Well, uh, I think I've officially uh passed you, Crofton, because I have wrapped up the bullet that missed. Uh, so. The third uh, Thursday Murder Club book, I finished it. It, it. Look, this is the thing. Like, uh, I think last episode I was talking about um, how the library was like, oh, it's it's a hot commodity, so you got to read it in two weeks. And I was a little worried, but then I realized like that book, those books are such an easy read and they go down. Well, like, now so they smart. are. Yes. Now that you've read, once you read the first one, like you, that's the thing about book series. You get through the characters in that first book, then the other ones go down really, really quick. Right. But uh, I remember you like not struggling through the beginning of the first one, but it wasn't like going down, you know, you had to get used to stuff. Yeah, no, no. I think the first one has like that first hundred pages type conundrum, but yeah. I think that the that you're right. Like the second and third one, just I I really enjoyed the third one, and I'd have to say I thought the story in the third one was uh, more interesting than the second one. Not that the second one was bad. I just I I just felt like yeah. I was more engaged with the third one, and probably because, like I said on the last episode they've each book they've introduced these new secondary characters and you wonder like oh man i i can't i'm really hope that's not the last time we get to hear from those folks and and i think what you know the author has done has done a really good job at like taking those secondary characters and continuing their arcs in a secondary uh fashion uh like sometimes on the sidelines but but related to what's going on in the main and and it's woven really well like you can tell that when and i don't want to get the author i think i want to say it's richard Richard, osman yeah richard osman i i would i would be surprised if he didn't have like sort of an outline for the four books before he even wrote the first one because it really feels like these are look i'm no author building on each other i so just to do a quick ranking of the top of the three my impression is three three is higher than two yeah which is higher than one is that how you i i think i think it would go three one two and i think i think it's really hard to uh no wait no one three two like but i love them i love all the books i just think it's really hard to have any of them topple the first one because it is 
the first in the yeah. series. Uh, so I was going to say, I'm glad you said that because uh, as time, I haven't read the third one, but as time passes, I very much enjoyed the second one. But the first one for me is like, again, is the is the best was the best of the two uh and and thinking back on it i was like oh yeah no the first one was really good so i mean that that makes sense to me but it makes me excited to know that it, it might the third one is better than the second one so this is great this is a series of books again for new listeners richard osman he's a famous presenter on tv i think in the uk but he he wrote these series of mystery novels about this elderly contingent at an old folks home in britain that solve murder mysteries and it's very comfort sort of cozy mystery type stuff so um yeah no i i'm glad to hear i'm glad to hear that uh that it was good and now you can go back to your uh, tome of brandon <laughs> sanderson's magic theology or whatever yeah it is, so library isn't clamoring for that one back although i think my renewal is probably the i think it's the 19th so i gotta see if i can renew it again there's no way i'm gonna get through it in a week so especially with uh tears of the kingdom but um i i did end up uh i did end up picking up like buying the first book uh for my for my dad so i kind of pre-bought it for father's day and uh because i think he'd really enjoy it but he's also the like the kind of reader that would probably not go seek it out because he's got a lot of other stuff going on yeah but he likes to read so i i know he'll dig the book so i'll uh if it's just sticking around i gave it to I, the first book i gave to my wife as a present and she has never read it and uh it is one of those things now that i've read it that i'm just like oh god just read the book you'll like it I, i've told my mom about it as well but like it's funny it's funny with i really appreciate that you took a recommendation because it's funny with books like some people just you know they have their own uh pace that they go on and they're not necessarily big on accepting recommendations from others so i mean it is it is what it is um i i uh i need to read more and uh but i i do like now that i'm into a series that it goes down so easy that i i know that i have that third book i i feel like i don't want it to be too diminished returns so i'm going to give myself a little bit of time before yeah for sticking into that one the fourth one coming out uh uh September 19th is the date. Like I, I would almost even like for yourself, consider waiting a little bit longer and, and then, and then you can kind of like evenly space it out before the fourth one comes out. Like if you're really keen to, to keep up on them, I, 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 I think it's going to be a long, like because of how I've read the first three, it's not like a crazy long wait for the fourth one. And I, and like I said, it is a series of four, no. like, you know, so um, it's kind of weird to have read all, all of them i mean they come out once a year so it's not like they're that old but it is know. crazy how quick like one a year you you know i i must admit he must have planned them out in some way shape or form anyway he is good given a richard osman in his series is being a thursday murder club being given a lot of airtime on the dungeons and diapers uh show so uh another thing that's being given a lot of airtime is god of war ragnarok and here's the thing ryan Tears of the Kingdom coming out tomorrow. I have not finished God of War Ragnarok, but yet I think that I am very near the end. Um, and uh, the problem is that there's a bunch of side content, especially in this crater region that unlocks, um, that is sort of keeping me away from like finishing the game. I think, though, that like, you know, um, 
I'm going to need to finish the game over the weekend. Uh, even if I have Zelda, I think what's going to happen is that this Tears of the Kingdom is the first time that Gwen and I are going to want to play the same game. Um, and so I think it's going to be a situation where we'll play it a little bit together, maybe past the controller during the day. And maybe in the evening, I will just bang through the end of God of War before starting my own game of Tears of the Kingdom. Because I am really interested in seeing how it's going to end. And um, I will say that like, as I get this deep into that the game, and I appreciate the scope of everything they did with this God of War game, how absolutely fantastic it's made, how it's like five times the size of the last God of War game. There's so much about it that is so good, but like it has taken me so long. Like as we, I'm not going to rehash the pacing issues at the beginning and stuff like that, but the game is very long. I'm coming up on 50 hours played and I have not finished the game. Uh, of course, I've been doing kind of like all the optional stuff, but it's it is a long game for the type of game that it is and uh i but i'm determined to see the end the story is now you know all these themes that have kind of been a slow build over this long game are all coming home to roost um all there's a fair amount of characters a big plot event has just happened um and uh you know it's pushing things through to the conclusion i think the problem with games like this ryan is that um, is it and doing a podcast is that you talk about them at different stages? Um, like I played just the first bit, then I had opinions, then I played it more, then I stopped and I played Midnight Suns, then I came back and I played a little bit more and I had other opinions, and then so like you, the final review, reviewers get a lot of guff for the amount of time they played a game. But it is important to to really get a sense of what the full breadth of the game is. And I really just get a – you know, I have a pretty good sense of it now. I do think it's too long. I think that the crater area that I'm in could have been an entire DLC uh, and, like, completely removed from the game and released separately. I think it's crazy that they released it in the game. It's very great. It's great, but it's clearly side content. Um it's great side content, but it's side content. So anyway, all, all told, the next time we will sit down, I will have finished God of War Ragnarok. I expect that it will nail the landing story-wise because every part of the story has been good so far. But man, what a fantastic video game. Uh, what a really impressive video game. And I've been playing it on the PlayStation 4. Um, and I do find it, like, for those of you who don't have PS5s, I mean, just get this game. Like, there's really no... It, at no point am I playing it on my 4K OLED TV being like, this game looks not very nice. You know, it looks amazing. Every time my wife walks out, she's like, this game is gorgeous. I'm like, yep, it is. Uh, and I'm going to be going to play a Zelda game on a 2017 piece of hardware that probably runs at 12 frames a second. You know, like it's going to, it's, you know, and everybody's going to love it. So for those of you who are might maybe holding out on God of War Ragnarok because they're like, oh, I'll, I'll wait till I have a PS5. I say like, you can, but I mean, it's amazing on PS4. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm playing it on the PS4 plus. So great, great, uh, great video game, Ryan. Well, I, I hate to spoil the ending for you, but uh, I'll just say what? it involves a yak. So prepare for that. No! No. <laughs> uh, zero out of ten. Um, but uh, but no, I, I it is funny. There's Because in the first God of War, like the, the first revamped God of War, like not to be confused with the OG's 
God of Wars. Um, there's like four characters or five, you know, five characters. There's just two dwarves. There's there's Kratos, Atreus, and Freya, and I guess you know the bad the the main bad guy and a couple of side bad guys that aren't. Oh, and Mimir, I guess. Um, but uh, but in this other game, sequel, there's so many characters, and it's fun in the way that a giant universe is fun. You know, uh, big fantasy epic with all these different characters. Some some of them you forget about them, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy, I remember him. And it's just there's a certain richness to it that that is uh, that is really really great. I do think though, like this game could have been two games, like they could have. They could have made double the money on this because they have two games worth of material in here. They just put it all into one, which whatever. I mean, that's cool too. You're getting, you're definitely getting your money's worth. Yeah, no, it's a, it is a big game, and a, and as you said, like there there are sections of it that could be, that could be ripped out. But even to suggest being ripped out and sold as DLC is a little, like I I would hope they wouldn't. You know, I would hope deals. I know DLC sometimes is that, but. uh I always find it, it it interesting when a developer is like, okay, no, like this, it's 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 nice when a developer says like, hey, this is the whole game. You're getting the whole game. Like everyone asks, like, oh, is there going to be DLC for God of War Ragnarok? And I think the director's like, uh, yeah, it's a big game, and we put everything into it. And I know I don't think so. Like we might do some but, patches, but what I mean about that is like for those who played this game, at one point there's an area that's unlocked and. Yeah. That area serves no purpose in the main story. You don't even have to go there. Uh, and there are countless giant areas in the game, like at least one per realm that you go in with tons of side content and stuff to explore. There is a wealth of content on the, the game. And then there's this weird area that is introduced late in the game that really is just extra and it really feels extra even though there's a bunch of side quests in there it feels very strange it feels separate from the rest of the game i like visiting it it's very beautiful um has a lot of cool stuff it's super deep and all of that but i think that like it really if that whole area was not in the game for instance, the review scores of the game would be exactly the same. It would not have changed one iota. Is it nice that it's there? Oh, absolutely. But I really do think that it could have... Like when I think about what could God of War DLC be? Well, it that to me is 100% what it could be. You could take that whole crater and, and release it as DLC and it would fit perfectly without disrupting the game by being missing um or whatever that's what i mean it's just an yeah. interesting like it 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 feels like dlc when you're playing it even though it's part of the main game yeah that's what i mean it is essentially like hey you can go explore this area but you don't have to the world isn't depending on it it, it sheds some light on some story stuff but um but that's what dlc it's... does like it's yes. like side stuff you know it's something flavory it's like oh yeah learn a little bit more about some side character i'm like yeah all right wow you know beat some more dragons you know uh, it's it's just pretty important side character. I I guess like yeah, no, I, I, it is. I I I mean maybe I don't doesn't yeah. get a doesn't get a lot of screen time. No, because um, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Ryan, agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, so 
so uh yeah anyway i just i just think that it's it's interesting they added this bit at the end i i think it's great but it's distracting me from finishing the game true no Um, no no. i I get that and and here's the thing about uh here's the thing about ragnarok like it is an open world game and it is designed very well when you finish it to basically allow you to continue playing and i that is not a spoiler because god of war did that as well uh, Spider-Man, all the Sony open world games have a really, it's almost like they have this design philosophy at PlayStation when they're building these immense games to say basically like, hey, allow our players to experience the story at their own pace, but don't punish them for finishing the game uh, in their specific way. In the sense, don't unlock, don't lock them out of content. Don't um, try not to at least you know um do the rewind at the end like hey finish the main game and it's like okay if you want to keep playing you you basically warp back to a save before the final boss like sony's done a really good job at, at their at their big triple a games over the last couple of years to ensure that the the experience is seamless whether you decide to do just the main quests or experience everything you know whatever order you want there is a linear there, there's a linear path that you have to follow of course like you can't skip you know story content but but you can choose to go back or you can choose to do side content as as you progress like that crater you can totally just come back to you know it's designed that way which which is is nice from a from a pacing if you're trying to finish it by friday so yeah yeah I know. I feel like I'm on the clock. It feels bad to rush this game, but I played it so long. I feel like I, I just got to get it across the finish line at this point. Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great game though, and it, it's funny because like I know the conversation was dominated between it and Elden Ring last year. I still remain, I think, an Elden Ring guy for the most part, but like I mean, in any regular year, if you release this game, it absolutely would deserve all the accolades you know that that it gets and stuff so a really great one yeah i'm glad you're enjoying it i'm glad you uh you picked it up on your your ps4 and you're you're working your way through it and um i mean for me when it comes to video games like right now i I, or at least for the last couple weeks i've kind of been in a holding pattern because i know a tears of the kingdom is 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 huge now that it, it it is out and the reviews have basically confirmed that it is a proper sequel to to breath of the wild and and we will certainly be talking about it next episode i've kind of just been focusing on smaller experiences like not wanting to get my feet like too too deep into the mud or or crofton you can make a joke about a buried pool here if you want you know, you don't want to don't want to sink into any any of those uh, uh, pitfalls. But I I've been kind of just you know playing smaller titles, and uh, the one I'm playing right now is the sequel to Darkest Dungeon, Darkest Dungeon Two, and uh, it is I, like I want to say it's been kind of rebooted as a roguelike, but it is a sequel. Um, I don't know if it's like in the sense of a follow-up to the first one, if it's, I, I don't know, Crofton, have you, have you played Darkest Dungeon at all? Brian, I actually, it's funny, um, you know, looking at Gabe's installed by Steve Deck the other day, I, I was, I, I looked at, I saw it on the, uh, on the list of games I owned. I was like, oh yeah, you know, because 
when now now I can have a portable version, and I know Darkest Dungeon. I think it was even released on the Vita, like in 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 the Switch yeah. in terms of portable. But I I remember playing it like a pretty good a good chunk of it a while back. But I never, you know, it's obviously very challenging. I never finished it. Yeah, no, I I never finished it either. It was it was very challenging, and it was one of those ones that was uh, it supported a. It was one run, like it was one campaign, and it was really dependent. It was sort of like XCOM, except more punishing, and it was very dependent on you having strong characters as you try to progress through the story. And I, and I think they introduced mechanics to make it a little bit easier if you were terrible like me and lost all your uh, your your heavy hitters. But the cool thing about Darkest Dungeon Two, and you did mention Steam Deck, and and honestly, it would it would be a, a perfect Steam Deck game. And the developers are working on support for that. So I know I'm going to probably double my time with it once uh, once the Steam Deck arrives, even with Tears of the Kingdom coming out. But what I've played so far, uh, it is uh, it is it is they've changed the gameplay up. It is now a roguelike, but they've kept uh, to me what was the most fascinating and interesting part of the first one was the combat. They kept the combat from the first one, very similar to the first one in that you have you know, four of your dudes on the left side, uh, up to four slots of enemies on the right side. And the reason I say slots is sometimes there are larger enemies that'll take up multiple slots. There's a turn order. Every character has uh, four abilities depending on what you've equipped and and, uh, they can only use them if they're in specific positions within the rank of your party. So like all of that is brought forward into the sequel. But what they get rid of and change up is they get rid of the village aspect, the sort of where you would, you know, heal your heroes and and make them more powerful and and do some upgrades. It's now a roguelike where each new run is a whole new set of characters. So when you die and get game over, those characters wipe and you restart. Uh, which I know a lot of folks probably hearing this and were fans of the first one find that to be a bit of a bummer because you know part of the the awesomeness of the first one was like building up these strong characters and it was the risk reward of like keeping your strongest characters alive and trying to progress uh, while while keeping your your best fighters uh, kicking. So for me, it's a nice change that it's a roguelike now because uh, I don't have to feel bad if I have a bad run. I'm enjoying the time, but it's less, in my mind, it feels less punishing that if I have a rough go, well, I can just start fresh on the next run. And I'm still having fun, I'm still progressing and and having a good time. So it's like... I know on paper I make it kind of sound a little more casual than the first one, but like it's still pretty punishing, you know. Like, it, I, is it something that you're uh, you're thinking of picking up yourself? I wasn't because of how I faded on the first one, um, you know. And and like IGN put out a, re- a review in progress, and I know those reviews are like early reviews, you know, um, and uh, they don't necessarily. It, it was it was lower score than I thought, and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, well that's that's interesting. Maybe maybe if it's cheap, sometime I will pick it up." But like honestly, even at the best of times, it would maybe be a tough sell. If it came out with ten on ten, nine on ten reviews, I'd probably be giving it my attention. But you know, on the eve of Tears of the Kingdom, uh, after like you know, like there's a laundry list of. 9 on 10, 10 on 10 video games I've yet to play. The Resident Evil 4 remake still haven't played. Dead Space remake still haven't played. Like, to be like, oh, I'm going to spend some time with, you know, Darkest Dungeon 2 as opposed to, say, Octopath Traveler 2 or something. Just, unlike, you know, 
unlikely. If you'd come out and gushing about it, you could have probably convinced me otherwise. But I get the feeling that, like the first one, it's it's one that you can that you can find the fun, but is not necessarily a home run. No, I think it's a slow burn, like similar to the first one. I I I felt like it, it's a bit of a slow burn, and that you want to you want to enjoy it in in small doses. And and I think the roguelike fashion of it really appeal like helps with that and yeah it's not uh it's not getting you know as high regards as the first one and i know a lot of folks probably wanted the sequel to be much closer to the first one but i i think that for me i appreciate that they've tried something different and i like what they've what they've put out with this sequel i think it's really the roguelike elements really interesting um some might say it's a bit of like a latching on to what's really popular right now like and and it was in early access for two years and and if you look back at the last two years of roguelikes you've got hades and the first one was roguelike was it though it was it was more linear though like not linear but it was more uh i guess maybe it was i don't know well like i mean i it was in the sense that you know, you'd go down and then you get kicked out of the dungeon. And if your guy died, he was dead forever. And true, yeah. You know, yeah. Like it was. A, then you started again with someone else. I know. At one point, I had like put all my hopes on this dude, and when he went, he went crazy or something, and and then I was screwed. And like, I just I needed him to anchor my party. It is cool. Like the dungeon, I like. They're doing things that nobody else is doing. You know, so I, I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'll say this too, like they've captured the feel of the first one perfectly. They've upgraded the engine. It's all 3D instead of 2D, but they Sweet. keep that like that look and feel. It is and the narrator's perfect. Like the tone and the look and the feel is exactly like the first one, but but better. Way better. Like they've done a great job at polishing that and um like I said, once they get uh Steam Deck support and and uh cloud saves in there, I think you'll have a a really you'll have a winner here and and there's lots of room to i think you know add updates and stuff and continue to refine the formula but uh, like i said i'm not too far in i've kind of just been poking around at it um while i wait for for tears of the kingdom but it's been um it's been a fun distraction and it, and it feels like there's more story to it this time around but maybe that's because i'm not sucking at it like i was the first one i don't know I just find it interesting that these games don't launch now with speed Steam Deck. Um, like, like this this uh, this game was in early access, as we said. It comes out. It's clearly perfectly the type of game that you would have on Steam Deck. Like, it feels like it should just come out optimized for Deck day one. You know, like I I don't know what yeah makes it so hard to do that. But um, I'm not know, a like I'm not a developer, obviously, and 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 really. Uh, yeah, no, I'm also, and I know Crofton is a mathematician, which is like close <laughs> enough to to not being a developer, but but I think like what it comes down to, and you're right, like it was in early access. The Steam Deck's been out for a year, but I think uh, what what's lacking with Darkest Dungeon Two is uh, controller support, which I think is a big aspect of being uh, uh, verified for for Steam Deck. And so there is a lot missing in that regard in that none of the UI has been tuned to a controller. It's only keyboard mouse. So I think like that's the struggle. I'm not necessarily excusing that it doesn't have the support at launch. I mean, they probably wanted to hit a date and they prioritized, you know, uh, gameplay over over hitting those platforms. But I like you, like 
I find it I find it to be a bummer when a game that I'm excited about playing on as many devices as I as I have uh not having that support that's a bummer but what's worse is when the developer doesn't acknowledge it and I think that's what's getting better is we might not get day one support but at least we're getting acknowledgement you know like we're, the developer saying like we're we're it's it's coming in the future it's on our radar don't worry um like i think midnight suns waited till like a week after launch to yeah. even kind of address it which was a bit of a bummer and then it was months afterwards that they finally got it verified so yeah and i just to clarify something here for listeners like what steam deck is a portable computer so just because a game is not verified does not mean it won't run on steam deck it's just verified means that you have that potentially steam deck optimized steam deck settings maybe so that it runs the best that it can uh you might have uh you know like uh little little performance hitch hitches that would be ironed out for steam deck all that sort of stuff now i installed the game last night called sleeping dogs definitive edition uh, which is a Sleeping Dogs is a game that came out in the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, but they did a sort of a PS4 version called the Definitive Edition. And uh, I enjoyed Sleeping Dogs, and I felt like, oh, it'd be fun to have that portably. That'd be a fun game to play. I've just started it, so too early to, to say. It has started well, though. But when I installed it on the Steam Deck, like before buying it, it was listed on Steam as un for Steam Deck unsupported. It wasn't like there's a there's kind of like a green like supported yellow is like oh maybe not. And then I'd never seen a game that was listed as unsupported, and this is like a console game. So I was like, wow, this is kind of maybe I shouldn't get this game or I shouldn't install it. So I just did a quick Google search. I'm like, has anybody played Sleeping Dogs Definitive Edition on Steam Deck? And sure enough, people were like, yeah, it works fine. You know, and I so I installed it, and guess what? It works fine. It works great. Um, and uh, I don't know why it's not got the little green or the whatever, but all told, like just do your homework. If you're a Steam Deck user and you're trying to decide if a game runs or will not run or whatever, like in Ryan's Darkest Dungeon two case, if it doesn't have keyboard, uh, you know, controller support, obviously probably not great. But in in uh, in Sleeping Dogs' case, it definitely has all that, so it works fine. So, I mean, just do your homework beforehand and don't just trust what they're saying on Steam. Like, uh, there's there's websites you can go to that kind of break it down, which games work and which ones don't. That. Yeah. Like, um, the website that has come up a lot in the gamers in Discord is uh, ProtonDB.com, and it specifically was linked to me because I we have a lot of fans in the Discord that play the, the Trails series. And someone had noted that the first one was on sale. And I thought, oh, you know what? I think it might be time that I finally check these out, see what's going on, you know, get in on the discourse. And uh, I was like, oh, will it play on Steam Deck? And then someone linked the game on this website. And yeah, Trails in the Sky being a PC game from 2004 or so. It's, it's quite old, maybe not that old, but... But it is quite old and uh, it's unsupported, listed as unsupported, probably due to the fact that it just has never been tested because it's an old game. Um, but uh, like if you look it up on the site, it's like everyone's the people who have played it will comment and they've commented like, yeah, it runs fine. You know, some of the cutscenes might be a little wonky, which seems to be the, the biggest thing. But you're right. As long as it has controller support, I find that the Steam Deck is pretty good at emulating the games. You know, it's just a matter of 
there might be some quirks. Might be some quirks. No, no, that's that's fair enough, Ryan. Fair enough. Um, let us move. I'm cognizant of time here, and I want to give time to our new segment in the diapers. So diapers. We're in the diapers, this new world of diapers that we have talked about at the top of the show. I just want to talk about the topic today, set it up a little bit, because I'm the one that's brought it this week. Um, and I mentioned off the top, it's personal goals. What do I mean by this? Well, one thing, when I first sat down with Ryan to do this podcast, we met in a dark and stingy Gatineau pub, you know, smoke filled the air. He sat down on a chair. I saw him. I was like, this guy, he has got a zillion kids. He was still making more kids at that time. It was just crazy. And he had a zillion podcasts and I had no idea how he was making it all work. Um, how was he managing to be a family man, husband, work a job and also have a zillion podcasts? These were clearly some goal setting involved here uh, on Ryan's part to make this happen. Now, in my personal life right now, I'm having a little bit more time than I used to. My kids have gotten a little bit older. I've switched jobs. It's a little less busy. I have some personal goals that I'm trying to think of. And personal goals can range from everything to like your fitness. You could have a fitness goal. You could have something that you've always wanted to do or whatever. And as you become an adult and as time starts ticking, those goals seem like they can seem further and further away. And so when I talk about balancing stuff on the show, like balancing your family, balancing, you know, stuff with uh, your significant other, your, your, you know, um, elderly parents, sometimes all sorts of different things. One thing is like, we talk about our personal time in terms of doing fun things like playing God of war or reading good books, but also, some of that personal time, if we want to accomplish these personal goals, we have to like set aside time to say like, I'm not going to have fun right now, or maybe pursuing my personal goal is fun. And I'm going to think about fun differently. Um, and so as I sort of sort through what I want my next personal goal to be, uh, and if I have the time to do it, and maybe the day before Tears from the Kingdom comes out is probably not the best time to go after your long lost personal goal. Uh, I wanted to just have that larger conversation. So I throw it to you first, Ryan, and I give you two questions. Number one, do you have any personal goals like right now? And number two, going back to like back then, when when you're thinking about like all these podcasts that you do and all of this, do you have a person? Did you have a personal goal at that time to bring all these things together? So your personal goal back then, uh, and is it the same now, or do you have a new personal goal now, or do you just not have any time to think about any of this stuff? Oh, um, well, I think uh, thinking uh, start with the past. I think at that moment before we started Dungeons and Diapers, the goal was. I think to uh to to find uh more fun in sort of what I enjoyed doing. So like I enjoyed doing podcasts and uh I enjoyed well hanging out with Crofton, talking to Crofton, done a couple of good batter bullshit podcasts and I know you had mentioned you were looking to do more podcasts and and I think like I've always liked the idea of having more of like a parenting focused conversation because you know gamers in 
especially Zamp, uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast being about zombies, uh, uh, and and Summoner's Call being focused on like a mobile game. I, like it, kids are like family life doesn't really factor in as much. Like the kids aren't at least then weren't playing as many video games. So I wanted to I wanted to have something parenting related in there, but I think like the goal is always to try to fill in some of those gaps like find something fun find the fun and honestly like the type of work that we do like is is while fulfilling uh is very specific you know there are rules and places to like what you have to do and what you can do and, and where you can do it so with podcasting and you know doing website stuff for those podcasts and communities and being on different platforms like that gives me an opportunity as well to keep those skills fresh because you and I both know we're not using and managing a community on discord for our jobs. We're not, we might not be using, you know, uh, audio capturing software, but I can tell you on multiple occasions where like the work I've done through podcasting has come back around and assisted in day-to-day life you know, having to capture audio or do some quick recordings or stuff like that, or, or even just edit some simple audio. Like, I think like, it's kind of nice that I've been able to reincorporate that into in my other work. So like, it also keeps, keeps things fresh and keeps, you know, keeps your new skills, uh, uh, developing. And then you can, and I've always found, I've always liked to find ways to, you know, even when I say like, well, we might not be able to ever do this in, in my day job, but you know, usually find a way to, to find a way to like fit that in as like, well, you know what, this would be a really good out of the box solution for this, for this specific scenario, you know? Would you say like, cause that was actually a little bit unexpected. You're, you're actually looking, your, your personal goal was essentially the podcast was part, part of it was skill building for you for like, for job stuff beyond just like wanting to say be a podcast maven uh yeah i i think the podcast stuff is for fun right but there are obviously opportunities to have the podcast be be more than just fun like meet new people you know develop like i said develop skills and then uh, you you do have to find a way like it's not like oh now that i know how to edit in adobe audition i can now just go to work and be like, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, no, that that's not how it works. However, I used my abilities with audition to record VO for a video, right? Which was part of, part of my, my day-to-day job. So like it, but nobody else would know how to do that. You'd usually have to find someone specific or, or, you know, contract it out or whatever. So like, there are those opportunities where, um, I always say like, okay, like I might be learning this on my own time with my own money, like, you know, with, with my outside work friends, but I can still find a way, like when the opportunity presents itself, I'm like, okay, like this would be a good opportunity to use what I've been doing for the last four years, you know, uh, figuring out a way to, to, to capture and repurpose audio, you know, that sort of well, thing. What's- What's funny about that is that it's like there's something crazy Machiavellian about this in the sense that you're you're like okay, I'm I'm going to develop these skills, or I'm going to work on, on on this stuff, but 
I'm also going to make it enjoyable and then I'm going to talk to people I want to talk to about topics that I want to talk about at the same time. So like you get to enjoy the nuts and bolts, the day to day of it, but then also like you're furthering your personal goal. Like I've been thinking and I keep, you know, kicking the can down the road. I've never done it. I've never tried it once, like figuring out how to do stand up comedy, like go up there and, and do stand up comedy. And I think that once I did it, that I would then have a better sense of how to do it again, how to, how to manage it. Um, like I definitely see the fun in it, like writing jokes and also, you know, maybe sitting down with your friends and writing jokes with them. Like I had sort of a, a, a write session with, with like Mike uh, at one point we were trying to come up with jokes, but the reality is that it is tough to be a, to tr even to try stand up because open mics are obviously in the evening. I got kids. Um, I'm like trying to, you know, we're switching up on bedtimes and then me like going out to some dive bar by myself to like try to get on stage. Cause these open mics you need to book or you need to like, there's, there's a desire. There's people that have done a bunch of them and like for first timers, they don't necessarily just want to take a risk on you. They want to see that you've been around a bit that they know you or whatever. Okay. We'll give you a shot or whatever. And so it's, it is, um, it is challenging and there's a lot of excuses that I can make, you know, Oh, it's tough. You know, I, I'm going to need to go out a few, a few times. Like I need, I don't want to go out by myself or I got I got bedtime tonight with the kids. I got to whatever. Like I waited late in life to start getting into this. I'm in my forties, you know, most standups do start when they're dumb, young and dumb in their like twenties or something. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, like that's like, that's, but that's like one personal goal. And, but it's not the only, like if it was the, the be all end all, I would totally focus on it. But then I have other things. So I'm sort of torn on my personal goal. So I kind of like what you did, which is that you built yourself something that allowed you, you know, you know, I thought you were going to say like, oh, I always had a goal of being like a podcast empire of like multiple podcasts. But it doesn't sound like that. It sounds more like you like doing the podcast. You feel like it helped you develop your skill set. And you could fit it in your life because you're not leaving your house. You're able to do it at certain times when you have the time. So it's like a personal goal that kind of suits your kind of where you are right now as a parent, yeah. you know? Well, it's a hobby, right? And, and look, I'm not going to sit here saying like, hey, guys, I figured out a way to fit Tears of the Kingdom into my day job. No, that's not at all. That's not going to happen uh, ever. Like, I, I, I accept that. But like... Video games are a hobby that I do my personal time, watching movies, discussing them with friends, watching TV shows, discussing them with friends. Like that's something I enjoy doing. So it, it enhances the experience of like, okay, I have two hours, the kids are down. I'm awake enough that I have two hours before I, I start feeling sleepy. So what do I want to do with my time? Okay, well, I want to play this video game. Well, perfect. I can play this video game. And guess what? Because I'm playing this video game, I'll have something to talk about with my friend Jocelyn or my friend Crofton uh, on the podcast, you know, and it all kind of feeds, you know, into each other. And I think like that, that is the, the goal is like, I know, I know this won't work for everybody, but for me and my brain, like my personal goals are usually like layered. So it's like, 
oh man, if uh, like for Darkest Dungeon 2, that's a great example of like, I'm really enjoying playing this game. And I know that because I'm playing it, I'll have something to talk about on the Gamers In in like a bigger scale because it's a video game focused podcast. And then on a smaller scale, I can talk about it here and uh, for a little bit and and have have a video game to bring to the table. So like I, I just I like layering it. It's like podcasts too. Like I like to listen to podcasts, but like I don't just sit there and listen to the podcast. I'm working or I'm doing dishes or I'm right. You're doing something podcasts fill that auditory gap. I'm I'm like that too. Uh, But now like, like you have, we talked about goals earlier this year. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a better craft and I'm going to read more. Here's his <laughs> book. I'm going to do more exercise. Here's ring fit. <clears throat> don't ask me how that's going. Yeah. Um, don't ask me but, either. I dropped too. But, but, uh, but, but you, um, you know, we know how you're doing on the book watch, but like you've also been like, you talked about last week or last episode about biking and stuff like that. And I mean, those are like little goals. Like it's, it's, I, maybe the term personal goal is too big. We talk about like resolutions, people make it new year's and that sort of thing. It's sort of like that, but I'm just thinking it's like when we say to ourselves, okay, this is a goal I'm setting for myself and how do it, you know, be it eat less of this or, or do more of that or larger scale, like. I want to get into stand-up comedy or I want to launch a podcast or I want to do all these things. So like for you, the biking stuff, like you wanted, you said to yourself one day you were just like, I'm going to bike more to work. That was your goal. What prompted it? Just exercise? Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> the funny thing is exercise was sort of secondary. The first one was like, I don't want a car payment. You know, we're, uh, yeah, it's it, like, I really don't, um, we got rid of our second car during, during the, the, the height of the pandemic. And it, cause it was just sitting there cause I was working from home. And like, I told my mechanic, like, Hey, the next time I come in and you need to charge me a thousand bucks to keep this thing on the road, let me know before you do anything. And I'm probably going to scrap it. And sure enough, the next time I took it in, he's like, yeah, you're probably looking at a thousand bucks to fix it. And I'm like, okay, let's take it off the road. Um, and that was a couple of years ago. And, and since then we've kind of been working from home. I take the van when, when Ashley's not taking it to, to work. And, uh, but then I was like, we're getting to the point now where I'm expected to be in the office and, uh, which is fine. It's been good to be back in the office, but I was like, you know what? I live close enough to work. It's all trails. How hard could it be to ride a bike? <laughs> and I think for me, like when it comes to personal goals, whenever I try to set like the big giant goal of like, you know, uh, the tough ones, like there's, there's nothing wrong with setting really difficult goals, but I know you kind of have to know yourself. And like, if I set a specific goal of like, I don't know, um, uh, like, I, like, yeah, like become a stand up comedian. That sounds like a big one, right. To me. And for me, it's like, okay, it's important to have these large overarching goals, but you need also smaller ones too. Part of the, appeal of having a to-do list is like yeah you're gonna have some big ones on there but you're gonna have some smaller ones to feel good about like checking them off the list to keep you going and i think fitness is always one of those ones that's that's been there and and i i was really enjoying the ring fit and then i kind of stopped that and started doing running and walking on the treadmill and and finally i was like well you know i need to get to work Ashley is taking on more shifts. The kids are in school more. They're in daycare more. Like I'm not far. The weather's been nice. 
the kids are starting to ride their bikes. And I just said to Ashley, like, maybe we should just go buy a bike and I'll start riding it to work. It's all trail. It's all shared pathways. I don't have to go on any road I have to go on is like it's no one drives on it or I can just walk it across the street. So it's like it's not a big deal, you know, and uh, I, I think even this week I've I've ridden the bike in twice and it's been really nice. Like it's been a nice change of pace and, you know, it, uh, it takes a little bit longer to get to work, but not a crazy amount, you know, with traffic and such. So I, I think like it, it, it's 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 a goal I've set. It, it, but for me, it's like because it's the smaller one, that's that's the, that's the other thing. Like a, it's a, yeah, I've achieved the goal. I'm riding the bike. But like the goal is now like okay now now we got to keep it going you got to keep that momentum right so and that's where the bike one's a nice one because i got to get to work i got to be there i'm, I'm expected right. to be there so like it's an easy one to keep going because if i don't if i don't go to work someone's gonna write an email <laughs> it might not be pretty right no no i get it um uh it is just it is interesting your your like get smaller scale goals or like have have things that are kind of, you know, more achievable. I think for me with the stand-up, I was thinking about like just doing it one time, like in the way that you do it, like skydive, you go skydiving once or or you go bungee jumping once, say you say you did it, maybe you get a taste for it, you want to do it again or whatever. But but like for me, the goal right now is just like do one set, you know, like get be do it somewhere and see if, th- see if that works. And then again, it's like, you know, there's a bunch of like personal goals. I think about like, Oh, I would like to write a blog or I'd like to do all these things. Um, and, uh, at a certain point, like, or write a book for that matter. Um, and these are, as I say, big, big things, but then it's like, where do you fit them in with your life and stuff when you've got all these other things going on. And I think what most people would say is like, you just got to do a little bit every day, like just like do a fraction of the thing every day, like write a joke a day or write, uh, you know, write a page a day. If you're writing a book or a paragraph or whatever, just do something every day. And I hear that all the time, be it about exercise, be it about anything. And it's like, it, it sounds like maybe if I had a timer and I set myself up, but it just feels so anti it like counterintuitive to my rhythm of life, you know, just be like, Oh, I don't want to do, I, you know, I, I don't feel like doing it right now, but I think part of getting completing goals is doing stuff. Even if you don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. But, no, I, I think it's important. Like goal setting and goal, uh, completion, is a big one for me. And I, I think like maybe over a decade ago, I started using, um, it's called OmniFocus. I use a Mac. I'm in the Apple ecosystem. So OmniFocus is like a getting things done suite of tools. And it's a ba- it's basically like just a, a huge task list. You can set up projects, you can set up tasks for those projects. And like, I really got into like basically setting up tasks for everything I wanted to and needed to get done. Hmm. And to the point where I would even have like go for a run in there and it would be a repeatable task like every other day. And I found that by having it in there, I was more likely to do it on the day I said I was going to do it because I got, I got to check that off. And, and also you had the opposite. Like if you didn't do it, it would show as overdue in this big red font of like, Oh crap, I forgot. I should really go for a run. And I'm now two days overdue. Like I even have it down to like, prepping for the show is in there so so two days before our show it's like in there as a deferred item and then the day of our show it it has it has to it comes due around four o'clock 
So I, I get it done either on my lunch break or, or, or shortly after I finish work. So like, it, it's, it's one of those things where like, I know for some folks like, oh man, that just sounds like over planning and you're just going to overburden your mind. But honestly, I find the opposite. Like, yes, it, of course it's over planning, but it takes it out of your mind until it needs to, to pop back in if you set it the right way. So, but you have to, you have to find the right tools that, that work for you. And, and, you know, everything can be a to-do list these days. Like your, your notebook can be a to-do list. Your, your note app on your phone has, has to, to-do list functionality, but like it, it, it really has to come down to like, what is useful for useful for you? Like a calendar alert every day to write a joke. Like I just swipe it away. I would ignore it. But like, if I had it in my task tracking app and there are free ones out there too, that work just as well. You know, you can set it up and be like, okay, start with write a joke once a week and pick a day where you know you've got 20 minutes of uninterrupted time, like say, you know, um, between your, between your, 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 when you finish your lunch and going back to work and it's a day where you don't have a lot of meetings. So like you can kind of like overexert your brain over lunch and then you can get your work done afterwards. Like I think that might be a good way to start. You know, don't think about writing a joke a day because you'll sit there just hammering your brain and like you can work your yourself up to it and start with one a week. And and uh, and honestly, I find like with comedy, isn't it like when funny stuff happens to you and you can kind of just adapt it, like even just having like a notes. We were talking about this pre-show. I have like not only do I have a to do list, but I also have like a dedicated note in my notes app of like, you know, it's Dungeons and Diapers recording notes. So if anything pops into my head over the week, over the two weeks between we do this show rather than like take the time to open up Google notes and start a new notes uh, or a new sheet, I'll just like quickly type it into this app and capture it. Right. That's how I keep, that's how I just like, Oh, I'm not going to remember this, get it out of my brain, put it in here. I don't have to worry about it for another week. You know what really grinds my gears, Ryan (laughs) being told what to do in your notes app. So, you know, when you go to the checkout counter at the grocery store and, and the person says to you, do you want a bag for your meat? And and I say, I'm like, I don't know. Do I need a bag for my meat? Do I need a bag for my meat? <laughs> What's wrong with your meat if it touches? Yeah, like what? I know. I, I understand why you wouldn't. Why Why are you stepping on my joke, Ryan? You're killing me here. I'm trying to do my bit. Oh, and I'm you're so sorry. On my stage. You killed my bit. Already, you know what? I quit stand-up. That's it. This is his first strike. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, this is your first strike. Look, I think you're funnier. Like, if you want jokes, like we can just we can just pull these out and just like you'll be fine. Like, uh, we're just really excited uh, on that front. So there you go. That one's not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. All right, this was personal goals with Ryan and Crofted. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything to add before we check what's in the mailbag? Uh, no, you know what? Like, I think with, with personal goals, I would recommend as homework for folks that are thinking of like, uh, you know, I want to spend more time on personal goals, find, a, a like a software solution that works for you. That is within your comfort zone, whether it's using your notes app more often, using your calendar app more often, um, or, or looking into a getting things done app. My recommendation would be uh, it would be OmniFocus if you're really interested in it. It's it is a paid tool. It's a little more expensive, but um, I've heard really good things about Things on on Mac. So Things is a good one too. 
And I, yeah, for Windows folks, like I, I realize like I'm kind of leaving Windows folks out uh, uh, out here, but I know Microsoft has Microsoft to do. So there you go. And And my recommendation to all you folks is to set ambitious personal goals you will never possibly meet and then hate yourself every day for not meeting them. Well, yeah, do that, but also set smaller goals so you don't feel bad when you aren't able to hit that big one. Right it's away. a balance. It is. Yes. And that's what this show is all about. So there you go. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's put a cap on that. First topic diapers section. So look forward to another one next episode when we will figure out what that's going to be between then or now and then. Uh, but let's get into the listener feedback. We got an email from Derek and Derek says, uh, here was some feedback about the most recent episode of Dungeons and Diapers. That's episode 95 that he's talking about. I happen to be listening to the episode in the morning on uh, Monday, May 1st, just after the tentative agreement that had been reached with PSAC. As a fellow public servant, I was happy that something had been made. Still going through the details, and by the time the next episode was recorded, it'll be a lot more clear. So, And uh, also solidarity. So thank you, Derek. Uh, also also dealing with the the union uh strike there but back to work all good solidarity derek's yeah yes for sure uh and uh but he continues and he kind of latched on to our uh discussion on um bike riding for the part about teaching kids how to ride bikes i'll give you the story of my two very different kids jay is the oldest and is going to be 14 in july zed is my youngest and they just turned 11 both are diagnosed with autism and are very unique to themselves with very different personalities. We first tried to teach Jay how to ride a bike as far back as when he was around five or six, but he never wanted to do anything without training wheels. He's always been the type of kid where if he couldn't do it perfectly, he wasn't going to do it. It's taken until this year where he's finally decided in his head that he wants to try again. We haven't started yet as we just recently got nice weather in Edmonton again, uh, but we'll be trying very soon. Yeah, your two weeks of summer are probably coming up uh, there, Derek. So that'll be fun. Uh, actually, I'm sure Edmonton gets the same amount of and decent summer as the rest of Canada. Uh, so there you go. But they get some wicked winters. Uh, they get the Chinooks, Ryan. Oh, what's that? It's the winds across the Rockies. So, so, so sometimes it'll be like very unseasonably warm for, and then all of a sudden it'll be really cold right after, you know, oh, or vice versa. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, Zed is completely different. They were always eager to learn how to do pretty much anything and everything. It was about two, three years ago. So either eight or nine years old that we first tried without training wheels. And it was a very, uh, and it was the very first day that they were able to do it. Ever since then, the two of us go on regular bike rides as a way of spending time together. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there. Uh, like it is interesting. And this is a good point in that, like all kids are different. You know, like uh, they all learn at different speeds. I I think we talked about it last episode, just in terms of like taking those training wheels off is a big step. But I think like what I sh- what I showed our, uh, my kids was like once you learn, you you really don't forget how to ride a bike. Like I literally had stopped for two decades and was back off and riding again, no problem, uh, just by hopping on. So I think like it, it, that really helped the kids. To, to be like, okay, like once I get this, I'll have, I'll have gotten it. But it's that first step that's really tough. And, and Abigail, 
who saw Caden take off the training wheels and, and get it. It was by no means an easy road, but he got it. Abigail tried without the training wheels once, and she just wasn't ready. And I think that's fine. Like, every kid's different, and you'll, you know, the, I said to Abby, like, you'll get there. You know, there's no rush. You just got to take your time. But you, you do have to try. And I understand, like, every kid is going to take trying differently, you know? Um, but there's no harm in giving it a shot and then deciding that now's not the right time, you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I like, you know, this comes from Gwen's experience. Last week we were talking about my daughter who is, um, you know, pretty old now to not ride a bike and she's very fearful of it. It's funny when Derek's outlying, outlining his uh, family situation it does sound like in terms of the two kids and one with fear and one without essentially sounds very familiar to me um and uh and yeah it's 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 managing them separately i guess we're in this weird spot now where like you know clara has an appetite to learn and i have a feeling could learn pretty quickly but i want gwen to learn first because she is the older sister and i think it's going to be a huge blow for her ego if her younger sister learns how to ride a bike first so i i'm like it sounds bad to say i'm holding clara back a little bit but i i you know it, clara expressed a ton of interest we would push it but she's fine on her trike and her scooter and um and so i'm going to try to fast track gwen to to biking uh we'll see how that goes yeah yeah so uh you know it's it's if you ever have um some personal experiences you want to share with the podcast definitely send in an email uh and we will happily discuss it uh the bike riding is a really interesting one because i find it is is definitely an example of a of a topic that is different for every kid every family and you know i i think like I, I think back, to, I obviously don't remember like how I learned how to ride a bike as a kid, but I feel like if I were to, if I were to ask my parents, it'd be like, yeah, we like everyone just eventually hit their time when they were ready to take the training wheels off. And, and after that, it would, you know, we, we grew up in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing to do, but ride your bike up and down that one country road. And that was it, you know, <laughs> not unless you wanted to sit outside and, and count the count the blades of grass or do chores because we grew up on a farm, but like riding a bike was kind of our pastime. And, you know, I know I fully understand that, you know, my kids now have way more stuff that, that they, they can do. Like they have like three or four parks within this, this neighborhood alone that they can kind of go to and, and, and play with. But, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, Derek ends his email here. Finally, as a dungeons recommendation, I want to suggest crab champions on steam. It's a fast paced, movement-based game where you're a crab with a gun trying to fight off hordes of random creatures lots of fun early access completely ridiculous and great thanks as always for a great show uh crofton now like i looked at this crab champion thing and i was like i was gonna suggest like this might be a fun one you could play with with gwen but like it it kind of looks like the the crab has like a real gun like a real a real gun yeah it's, it's funny first off thank you derek for the email and for that recommendation in the sense that i've never heard of that game yeah. before so uh i will check i will check it out for sure because um always fun to get new ones like that i i would just say ryan uh, i don't know how it happened but like over the past few days i've sort of taken a turn on gwen and and like 
violence like in some of that stuff like, no just that is this I'm a the, little because bit... of my karate talk it's like okay well if Caden if can learn how to how to how to kill a person three times before they hit the ground like i think we could probably play grand theft auto well he's our number one Caden. but the oh, thing we're is gonna get is to that. that don't worry is it uh gwen is um you know i came in on i was playing on the arcade machine uh and she came back from school and um I was like playing a street fighter, Marvel versus street fighter. And, you know, it was a game full of flashy lights and stuff, but it's really just two dudes beating the crap out of each other with powers and all sorts of stuff. And I, I was like, at first I was like, Oh, I should turn this off. But she's like, what's that? And I'm like, well, it's a fighting game. And I explained about fighting games, how you're trying to knock the other person's energy. And she got it. And she watched it a little bit. She doesn't really care. She doesn't like, violent stuff and fight but she was like oh this is kind of interesting but i realized at that moment i did it didn't i didn't mind her seeing this she's eight now right like i didn't mind her seeing this fighting uh you know i don't mind her seeing the the level of fighting that's going to be in tears of the kingdom or whatever you know monsters we we played through that before and i i'm you know like i where where i draw the line still i think i was thinking about spider-man on on ps4 uh I'd be like, oh, maybe she'd like to see Spider-Man. But then I'm like, no, you know, there's shoot they're shooting cops and gangsters. And, you know, I, I think that's for whatever reason, that's the line. Like Marvel versus Capcom, okay. Spider-Man on PS4, mm, too much. You know, like so uh maybe, you know, I'm not rushing it when at one point she'll only sh- when, when the time comes that I don't have to worry about age appropriate content or violence and in games it will be sad because it means she's old because right now she loves kirby and you know that sort of stuff so i should yeah. cherish i should cherish that and not press fast forward well i think with crab champions you could probably it would fit that bill of like cartoonish violence and it's not you know it's a it's a crab with a gun shooting other animals and random creatures so i i think it's and it's all very cartoony very arcadey it looks it looks like it would be be fun very fast paced though i i think uh i think it would be it, it looks neat it very much looks neat so thank you so much derek for writing in and uh suggesting we check out uh crab champions on steam crofton uh that is going to do it for our show but uh, i'm i may have let slip what i thought we would do uh before we leave as a bit of here's the thing everyone including yourself seems to think Caden is saying what is what do you think he's saying and i want to i want to put this out to the listeners too this is why i'm bringing it up but you think Caden is saying a specific thing i'm your number one Caden. right okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna play this and then everyone at home listen carefully and then you're gonna have to write in and let me know what you hear but i'm pretty sure he's saying and remember i'm Caden. so listen to this bye i'm remember i'm Caden. bye i'm remember i'm Caden. okay so you still think it's uh, number one, Caden? Oh yeah. Hmm. Bye, I'm E number one, Caden. Bye, I'm E number one, Caden. <laughs> I don't even get where you're going. Like you know your kid, and yeah. that gives you an unfair advantage. But like I don't even understand where remember is in there. It's like it's, bye, yeah. I'm your number one, Caden. Yeah. I'm like, uh, like we'll see. We'll let the listeners decide. But uh, I think. Uh, I mean, whatever. Maybe my ears are broken. Maybe. I am older than you. <laughs> well, yeah. Excited to learn more. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, what we do. 
<laughs> I love the difference. It's almost like a different person. It's so it's so different. We're just really excited uh, on that front. I know we are. So, anyways, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much to uh, Crofton for joining me, both uh, from his CBC article. And, hey, did uh, you plug where the emails or anything? Did you do any of the? I business? didn't do that. We're still getting to it. I'm making people wait for it. The good stuff. Uh, uh, like yeah before we sign off here you go before you close out the podcast definitely go to our website tgistudios.com slash dad you'll find a bunch of links there including our email dad at tgistudios.com write in like derek did let us know how you set personal goals what kind of software do you use am i crazy for using software uh should you live in the wild west or you just throw it out to the internet and remember to do it like crofton does let us know you can also follow us on Twitter if it is still standing by the time you listen to this. You can find me at R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at D&DCast. It's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll see you in a bit. I'm excited to learn more. Excited to learn more. Excited to learn more.